Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. How y'all doing this morning? Ooh, these people are great. I don't know what's going on with the rest of you. They're great. Uh, but to everyone who's gathered here, everyone who's in our overflow spaces uh, right now and those watching online, I want to welcome you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here and it's a new year started a new teaching series for the next couple of weeks. I'm so glad that you're here. Before we get into the message, uh, and, the, and something I really genuinely believe that God wants to share with you and shape you with, I want to just uh, let you know, kind of on a family business side, this uh, weekend we lost someone from our church that we love uh, dearly. Her name is Sandy Steiner, and many of you know Sandy. She was a part of our church really from the beginning. A lot of folks found community here, found a place to serve here because of Sandy's bright, beautiful smile and her um, inviting spirit. And see, she's been fighting cancer for over about five years now. And um, so she lost that battle this weekend, but we know that she gained uh, a seat in God's presence in heaven right now. And we have confidence in that. I have confidence in my hope and that I will see her again. Um, but we wanna pray for her son, Colin, her teenage son, Colin, uh, for her partner, Joel, who's been doing such an amazing job of caring for her these last couple of years. And I want to just pray for anyone right now who's carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry on your own, that maybe you feel like is about to break you. Maybe it's the, a battle you're fighting, such as cancer, or maybe you're watching someone go through it, or you're watching someone you love that you know you may lose. Uh, that's a heavy thing to carry. And uh, God said you were never meant to carry that on your own. So I want to pray for you as we pray for Sandy and her family. So if you know Sandy, you're familiar, I want you, those of you who pray, are praying folks to pray for her while I pray, but let me pray for all of us right now. God, we thank you for the bright light of Sandy's life, and God, what a gift she has been to this church. And God, my heart is heavy for Colin and for Joel right now, and God, I know yet you are the God of comfort, you're God of peace, your presence is with them more so than they even know, than I'll ever know. And so God, we thank you for the knowledge, the hope that we have of where she is right now and that we will see her again, God, and that she's pain-free, she's with you. Um, that is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we thank you for her. And God, I pray for every person that is carrying a burden, maybe a battle they're fighting physically, health-wise right now, or a relationship that is on the rocks. God, I know that uh, these things are things that can tend to break us. And yet, God, I know that you actually invite us to bring all of our burdens to you, to lay them at you, because you know exactly what to do with them. And you know exactly how much we can handle. And so, God, we pray that you would help us do that today, to trust you with all of these places in our hearts and our lives. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we are kicking off, as I said, a brand new teaching series called U.0. And uh, this is the time of year where we get really, like, positive and optimistic about the year, about our lives, and who we want to be, and how we want this year to look. A lot of you have made resolutions. Some of you made resolutions, but you've already forgotten that you made resolutions. The gyms are thinning out. So this is a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time of year. And the, what we want to do is rather than trying to figure out or fabricate who we think we're supposed to be, we actually would rather lean into the knowledge that God has of who you already are. Who does God say you actually already are? And if you get that, it opens up so much in your life if you begin to see yourself like God actually sees you. And so that's what we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks, this week specifically, looking at the purpose that you actually have for your life. That again, you may be unaware of the purpose that you have for your life. I came across a report 
last week uh, about nonprofits, the rise of nonprofits. It was on a website called 501c.com. They study like nonprofits, 501c3s. Uh, this church is a 501c3, and so, you know, I'm kind of interested in that whole field of things and what they're learning. And what they found actually is over the last five years, there has been a significant actually historic rise in the number of nonprofit organizations that have been started. Unlike any other time in history, more and more nonprofits or 501c3s have been started in America. In fact, what they found in 2015, when this uh, study was studied, they found that there was a rate of 10 to 1 of nonprofits to new businesses, meaning that for every new business started, there were 10 nonprofits started. That's incredible. It's never really happened before in our time. Currently, right now, there are 1.5 million nonprofit organizations in America alone. That's insane. You'd think we'd have no more problems with all these nonprofits doing all this good work, but, you know, still we need a lot of help. And so a lot of experts want to figure out, okay, well, what's this about? And so they love to point their finger at millennials because everyone loves to point their finger at millennials and say, oh, well, there are more and more millennials in the workplace. They want to have more meaning, more purpose in their work. Others point to the shift in online giving, how the digital age has totally broken down a lot of barriers to fundraising and how that has uh, opened up huge growth opportunities for nonprofits. But I'm less interested in the how, I'm more interested in the why. Why has that happened in the last five years? Such a shift happened in our culture that I believe that it's not something new. It's actually something just true of us that we're getting more and more in touch with. I think I think we are a people looking for purpose. I think that more and more people are looking for more and more purpose in their lives. I believe that by and large, certainly not everyone, but by and large, most folks want to give themselves to something greater than themselves. That you want to actually have an impact with your life. I believe that's true of you that you want to make a difference. I don't think you'd actually be here today if you didn't. I think that is a true thing in you. I believe that we are people in pursuit of purpose. That we're people in pursuit of purpose. We're looking for purpose for our lives. And we'll go to great lengths to try and find it, to try and discover it, try and figure it all out. We're, but we are fundamentally a people in pursuit of purpose. That's why there's so many Nonprofits getting started at record rates. So the question is that I want you to consider today as we dive into this teaching from the Bible, this question I want you to consider is, what purpose are you giving your life to currently? What's the purpose that you are actually giving? This is a fundamental kind of core question. Rather than thinking about the purpose that you have to go out there and find. Just start with the one you actually already are giving yourself to. Because whether you realize it or not, you are giving yourself to something or to some things. So what is the purpose that you are actually already giving your life to? What purpose are you pursuing? If they were to do an audit of your life, right? So if they were to make an account of all of your hours spent and money spent and thought and time spent... What would they find as the main sort of mission or, or, or meaning behind your life? What drives you? What's the purpose that you're pursuing? It could be a lot of different things, right? It's not even necessarily about any one of those things. I guess maybe the bigger question is, is what purpose do you want your life to be about? Maybe that's a better question. 
what purpose do you want your life to be about? So that at the end of your life, people would look back on your life and say, oh, they were clearly about this. And they could just tell from your actions, your choices, not just your intentions or your hopes or desires, but how you lived your life. What do you want your life to be about? What purpose do you want your life to be about? And if you'll let me, if we can go a little bit further, because, you know, you came to church, you are in church, and they gave me the mic, so let's just go there anyway. <laughs> Question to consider is, what purpose might God have for your life? What purpose might God want you to be about in this world with your one and only life. These are big things. We're diving right in. Start of a new year. Let's get it right. Let's figure it out. And so what we want to do is we want to look and ask God to speak into our lives today. Because what I believe is when it comes to the pursuit of purpose, that it's not really so much about discovering something out there, but actually it's about uncovering who you already are. Big shift, big difference. It's not actually about discovering something that you don't know about yourself, something out there. It's about uncovering something that's actually already true of you and how God sees you, someone who God made you to be. So what I want you to do is I want you to grab a Bible, if you would, please, and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, here's the deal. Uh, if you have it on your phone, fantastic, just open the app. If you brought your own Bible, you get extra credit today. You're awesome. That's awesome. If you don't have a Bible, though, grab a gray Bible in the seat back in front of you and grab a pen. We're going to circle a couple things in here. We say this all the time, but if you're serious about exploring the God who we believe created you, who knows you, who loves you, and you don't own a Bible, the best thing you can do today is to steal a Bible from church. Please, 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 nothing makes us happier than you swiping a Bible from church. And I'm not kidding. Please, like, just take a Bible, see if you can get it under your hat and walk out the door with it, see if anyone notices. But we want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on page 805 in the Gray Bible. That might help you get there faster. Let me give you some quick context into what we're coming into. This is a book of the Bible, but that's not actually how it was first originally written. It was written as a letter. It was written as a letter from the Apostle Paul who wrote about half of the New Testament to a church. Church was in the city of Corinth. Corinth was at the center of and the heart of Greece. Rome was the occupying world power of the day, but Greece was the thought leader in the world today. That's where philosophy and all kinds of new stuff was coming out of Greece. And so right in the middle of that is Corinth. And right in the middle of Corinth is this little church that had just begun. Corinth was a city not unlike our city here in Chicago. And this little church is a church not unlike our church, filled with a bunch of people who were new to faith. Maybe you might want to say unchurched people. They didn't know all the rules, right? And so they'd come into belief and relationship with Jesus but what Paul began to notice is as this church began to grow, there began to grow cracks in the foundation, and they saw division beginning to grow. There was racial prejudice, even religious pride, and, you know, kind of playing its role in this church about people who were in and who wasn't in, and they began to notice that folks in the church were kind of reverting back to their old selves, their old lives, their old ways before they had found Jesus. And so Paul wants to help speak life and direction, even correction into them. And so he writes this letter to them. And we're going to pick up in verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says these words to them and to you and me today. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means in relationship with Jesus. So if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you're in Christ, the new creation has come. It's a beautiful picture. The old has gone. The new is here. 
Now, if you were here last week, this is what we talked about in Isaiah 43. Hundreds of years before this letter written by Paul, Isaiah said the same thing. God is doing a new thing, and God's new thing is for you, and it's bigger than you. And so that's what Paul is basically saying here. Is that when you enter into a relationship with God, it's not about sort of like incremental improvements. It's about wholesale change. We call it transformation. Old, gone, new, here. And then God continues to grow that new through the work of transformation. So that's what he's saying here. He's saying that you actually, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you actually have a new identity. Or maybe a better way of saying it is you discover your true identity, who you were meant to be in God. So he goes on to say this in verse 18. He says, all of this, and I love it. He makes this really clear. All this is from God. In other words, it's actually not something you do. You can't do it. No amount of hustle or muscle or energy or effort can make you new. This is what God does. God actually can do. This is his, what he does. Now he says a couple words here, a word here that he's going to repeat several different ways over the next uh, couple verses. So I want us to pay attention to it. So he says, all this is from God. Who, and what's the next word? Who? Do you guys know we record this every week? Like people are listening right now and they're going to think there's six people here and that half of them are asleep. So let's say it like we, it's answers on the board. It's in the book. Like this is an open book test, right? It's not a hard one. So let's say it like we actually can see it. Like we actually might even believe it. Let's say it again. All this is from God. Who, what, who reconciled, circle that word. Very, very, very important word. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. reconciliation. Circle that. You're going to see that appear as a little theme over the next couple of verses. Powerful picture that Paul is painting for us right here. That there is a God who actually reconciles us to himself through Christ. That word there, reconciliation, really, really, really important. To reconcile something or someone is to bring two opposing forces back into harmony. Relationally speaking, it's to bring two opposing people or two people who've fallen out of harmony or unity and bringing them back to common ground. That's what reconciliation is, taking two opposite or opposing things and bringing them back to the way things were intended or created to be. Does that make sense? Now, anyone here who's a parent or maybe you've worked with little kids and you've been, maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you teach upstairs in Soul City Kids and you've had to help two kids, maybe two siblings in the middle of a dispute, you already know what the ministry of reconciliation is. You are a minister of reconciliation. At least I am, and Jeannie is in our home on the daily because our kids always find something to fight about, always. It's just part of their job in life. And so we have to help bring two opposing forces back together into harmony. And so we'll find ourselves having conversations like, Elijah, I don't, I don't think Gigi meant to flush that Lego down the toilet. There's no way she would have done that on purpose. Oh, you, you did do that on purpose. You did flush that Lego. Out. Well, then you get everything you deserve. Elijah, go ahead. Have at it. So it's called good parenting. You need to look it up. So if you've ever had to help two kids work it out, or maybe you've been a, 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 a friend, a mutual friend in the middle of a breakup, hoi, 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 and you tried to help them like talk to each other and work it out, that's reconciliation. Two opposing forces or two people at odds with each other being brought together in unity, in harmony. And that's what Paul says God does for you and for me. 
is that there actually is sin that separates us, that keeps us at odds from God, at a distance from God. And what Jesus did through the cross is he reconciled. He brought us into relationship. He made right. He brought us into unity. He brought us into harmony with God through his death and resurrection. This is what he does. And when you think and consider the cross, you might want to look at it. Every time you look at it, consider the vertical beam of the cross and think of how God is actually bringing heaven and earth together, reconciling us to himself through the cross. This is what God did through the death and resurrection of Jesus for you and for me. But Paul goes on to say that's not the end of this idea of purpose, of reconciliation. He says in verse 19 that God was actually reconciling again the world to himself in Christ. Now look at this next phrase. Not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, now I love this, and he's committed us to the message of what? Of reconciliation. There it is again. Fourth time it appears in two verses. This is an interesting thing for us to consider about how this actually works with God. Because I think sometimes we get it twisted. We don't quite understand, maybe, or we didn't hear in the first place or know, that God is actually on some new math. You need to know that about God. He's on some new math, okay? Because with God, the way, it doesn't work like this. I think what we think, or maybe our hope, or assumption, or our plan, or whatever, may be that the way it works with God is that he takes up all the good things we've done, all the good deeds we've done, as we would determine them, good deeds, and then he subtracts from that number all of our sins and mistakes and all the things we shouldn't have done, and then by that, he's able to estimate whether or not we're worthy of his love based on that equation. So that's actually not how it works with God. He does not count our sins against us. In fact, the Bible tells us that all of the sin of the world, all of the ways that we chose ourselves over God, and it looks different for all of us, but all of the sin of the world, of all of human history, all of that, the total number of that was added to Jesus on the cross so that it couldn't be counted against you when it comes to God. That's some new math. And in fact, the equation is actually really simple. It's a one-for-one one equation. Jesus offers his life for yours. One for one. Offers his life through his death and his resurrection so that you can actually have life, actually have relationship, actually have purpose and meaning in this world through his life, his death, his resurrection. And what's so amazing to consider is that vertical beam, you know, you think about that, all that God has done for you. But what Paul keeps saying, I don't know if you saw, but what Paul keeps getting at in this passage is that's not all that God did through Jesus at the cross because there's a horizontal beam too. And not only did God do all of that for you, but what Paul kept getting at was that he actually wants to do that same work through you. That same reconciliation work that God did for you, he wants to do through you. What God has done for you is actually what God does through you. Same work, vertical beam, horizontal beam, my life, my world, my relationships, what God has done for me in reconciling and making a way for me to be right with him, I then get to be a part of making things right with others in this world. I then get to be a part of bringing folks to the common ground 
of the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, God says, great, now that once you get that this is for you, now you get to be a part of sharing this with others. Because what God does for you, that's what God does through you. It's the work, it's the ministry of reconciliation, bringing opposing things together to common ground. In other words, when it comes to this purpose, this work of the cross, you and I not only get to be recipients of it, that's enough right there, but we get to be participants in it. We get to be recipients of it for us, but then we get to be participants in it for others. Now, I think this is some power. I think this is some powerful stuff. Like, I didn't come up with it. It's in the Bible. It was already here before I got here. It's powerful stuff. But I want to help. I'm not sure you're totally getting it. And so I want to I help you do that. So to do that, I'm going to get some help. And you shouldn't come back for round two, Vance. I'm going to make you stand up now. Yeah, come on up. And then can you come on up? Can you help me with something real quick? All right. So uh, you can put your phone away, Vance. Unless you're taking notes. I want to trust you're taking notes. Yeah. All right. Come on over. Come on over. All right. So this is Vance. Everyone say hi to my friend Vance. Vance. And then can you come over and tell me your name? Charlene. Charlene. Can everyone say hey to Charlene? Charlene. Guys, thank you for volunteering. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> you saw a need and you stepped in the gap. And I really appreciate that. Uh, for you guys. So thank you for doing that. So Vance and Charlene are going to help illustrate this idea of what God has done for you is actually what God wants to do through you, this purpose of reconciliation in the world we live in today. Okay, so Charlene, you're exactly where I want you to be. In fact, take that, that right there. Exactly. Vance, I want you to stand right here in front of the cross. Now, I want you to imagine that Vance gets this. He gets this message of the cross, what God has done for him, how God reconciled it to him. He receives the gift that God has said, this is for you, my life for your life. Remember, there's some new math that God is on. He gets that. His next response after receiving that from God, I want you to open up a hand to Charlene, open up like invitation. Uh, that's it. Yep. You're not going to use it like a force. Like you're not using the force <laughs> against her. I just want you to open your hand like your invitation. And Charlene, you can put your hand in his hand. And what Vance does, I want you to pull Charlene over this way. This is the work of reconciliation. You don't have to fight him. He's a good guy. You can come. Just trust me. Play along with me. It's gonna, it'll be over in a minute. You got this. All right. So this is what the work of reconciliation is. Vance gets that God has done this for him. Then he reaches out to Charlene and he says, this is for you too. That's reconciliation. It's not about my preferences, my prejudice, who's in, who's out according to me. It's when I get that God has done this for me, how can this not be for everyone else? Because I know, if I'm honest, I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know what I'm capable of. So he gets to, all right, so Charlene, I want to take a step back to that spot now. Good job, uh, Vance. Now, here's what I want. Now, I want to do, I want to say something. Uh, and this is just maybe, t uh, I want to speak just for a moment to those of us who would call ourselves Christians, who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, okay? So if that's not you and you're kind of just here and you maybe got dragged here, or you're checking this place out, we are so glad you're here. Guess what? For the next couple minutes, you get to sit back. And I want to be, I'm going to, I have some words for some Christians. So you get to sit back and go, mm-hmm, the whole time I'm saying it, because this has probably been your assumption about or your story about Christians anyway. So I want to speak just to those of us who call ourselves Christians. Because here's what we so often do. 
God's given us the gift of God reconciling us to him through Jesus. We get to have right relationship. Purpose for our lives is found on the cross. And rather than extending the open hand to everyone we know, Vance, I want you to kind of put your hand up like that to Charlene. This is what we do. Far too often, we say, well, this is good enough for me, but you're not good enough for this. You don't get to experience this for all kinds of different reasons. We have all of our little lists, all of our little stories, but this is what we tend to do. We tend to say, well, to you who are like this, and usually what it means is to folks who are different than you. That's all that it really means. Folks who aren't exactly like you, right? So here we have God building a bridge to us through Jesus of the cross, and the first thing we like to do is build a wall between us and others. Well, this isn't for you because you don't see things the way I do. You're a Republican and you don't see things the way I do. Now, I'm going to mention more people. I just wanted to start there. I just wanted to start there and just see. In the first service, I said that the guy goes, I am? I'm like, no, I'm not saying you have to be now. I'm just saying this isn't for you because you're a Republican. This isn't for you because you're a Democrat. This isn't for you because you're conservative. You just don't get it. This isn't for you because you're a liberal and you've just gone off the rails. This isn't for you because you're gay and you don't understand and uphold these values that we do. This isn't for you because you're straight and you don't get what it means to be accepted by the love of Jesus. This isn't for you because you're black. This isn't for you because you're white. This isn't for you because you're poor and you just don't seem to, can't get, seem to get your life together. This isn't for you because you're rich and entitled. This isn't for you because you're a woman. This isn't for you because you're an entitled male. Do you see how easy and how quickly we build walls? We take the bridge of the cross of Jesus Christ, and the first thing we can think to do with it is to build a wall to keep others out. How dare we? How dare we? That's not the ministry of reconciliation. That's not a purpose worth giving yourself to. Extend one more time if you would advance. And Charlene, you can go ahead and grab his hand because I just want you to bring her back in so we all know that we're all good. <laughs> And let's give them a hand for doing this. Thank you, you. This is the picture. This is the power of the vertical beam, what God has done for us, and then that horizontal beam, what we get to do with others. We get to bring them in, not to our own views, not to our own positions. We get to bring them into the common ground of the cross and say, what God has done for me, he can do for you. What God is doing in me, God is actually doing through me, and it's for you as well. This is a purpose worth giving our lives to. And Paul concludes by speaking to who you actually already are and to a purpose that God has already planted in you. Let's jump back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says this. We are therefore, and I love this image, we are therefore Christ's what? Christ's? ambassadors. I love that idea. We get what that means, right? We are a, a spokesperson for. We are the one who goes out representing. I love that imagery that Paul gives us, that part of this work of reconciliation is like being an ambassador, one who is sent from for, right? Sent from God for everyone. We're an ambassador as though God were making his appeal. What's the word there? Through, through us. Through you. Through me. Did you ever think about that? That my hunch is maybe somehow, some way, for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, if that's you, somehow, some way, somewhere, there is a someone that God spoke through into your life. And they, for whatever reason, God used them to get through to you. He made his appeal 
to you through them. I wonder who God might be trying to speak through you to in your life. You're like an ambassador. You have purpose. No matter what it is you do for a day job or hire, you collect a check, you actually have a greater purpose. So he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Just don't miss this, he says. Be reconciled to God. Get that you can actually be in right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. And then he says in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, a one-to-one equation, so that in him we might become, not just have, not just access, become the righteousness of God. There is no greater expression of love in the universe than what God did for you and me through Jesus. There is no greater extension of grace than the reconciling work of cross and empty tomb. And there is no greater work that you can give yourself to in this world, no greater purpose that you can pursue than to be a part of the reconciliation work that God wants to do through you. Because if you're in a relationship with God, no matter what you do for a day job, he says of you, what's already true of you is you already are a person of purpose. You already are a person of purpose. So what does that mean? Well, I'm a teacher. I'm a school teacher. What does this look like for me? You actually show up to work as a person of purpose, looking for opportunities to build bridges, to build bridges between parents and kids, parents and teachers. Ultimately, all of it is about building a bridge that people can see the light and the life and the love of Jesus alive in you in your workplace. You work in a salon. What does that even mean for me? I work in a salon out how do I, how am I, what does that even mean to be a part of this purpose of reconciliation? That means that when talk turns to gossip, you have another word other than that, of encouragement, of belief, of love. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you collect your check. You can be a bridge builder wherever you are extending God's love and being a part of participating in the purpose of reconciliation in this world. If God has offered you grace, if you have received grace from God, then extend what? Extend grace. If God has offered you forgiveness, offer what? Forgiveness to others. If you have received love from God, then be love wherever you're at, whoever you're with. If God doesn't actually count your sins against you, then stop counting the sins of others around you. It's no good. It doesn't lead to any sort of reconciliation work. If God has already said yes to you through the cross, do not say no to others because of the cross. And use that as your excuse to kick people out, decide who's in. There's common ground for everyone. And the reconciling work of God through you is bringing together opposing forces into the way they were meant to, intended to, created to be in loving relationship with God. Can you imagine what might happen if we actually gave ourselves to this work? Rather than building walls, we got to work building bridges cross whatever lines you may have 
in your life. Can you imagine what it would look like if you practiced this principle in your ordinary, everyday life? Can you imagine how much more rich and meaningful, alive your life would be if you knew you woke up, you're a person of purpose. There's God, I believe you have a purpose for me today and it's to extend your love to others, whoever that may be. Can you imagine if we actually got that right, how many more people there would be around the table that don't look like you or have the same story as you? How much more rich that would be. I'm telling you, we're building this building next door. We'd have to build a hundred more if we got this right, that that's the work that we're invited to do is to extend our hands to others and say, let me take you to the one, let me take you to the place where my life has been made right by God. If you would actually give yourself to the purpose that God has already given to you and become who God says you already are. So I wanna help us do that. I wanna offer some homework. We like to have a little homework here, a little way to practice this throughout the week. So let me offer you your homework for this week. And it's a, it's a two-parter. Uh, and the second part isn't extra credit. Both count. You got to do both. And I'm going to need you to show your work this week. Uh, here's the homework for this week. First is very, very important. You can't get to the second without starting at the first. First is really, 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 really important. First little bit of homework I want you to do this week is to actually receive the gift of what God has done through the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, that God actually made a way. He actually did it, and it's actually for you. It's for you right now. Not once you sort of get your life together, figure it all out. Again, that's just like sin management, good deeds management. That's not what this thing's all about. Right now, God says, he said, I've done this for you. And maybe today the whole reason you came, the, like the whole reason you got up, you thought you were going to church for this reason, that reason, this is the reason you came to church is so that you could finally say yes, all of you saying yes to the cross. And I mean that for some of you brand new to this whole church thing, this God thing, and maybe it's time for you to say, I, God, if God would move heaven and earth to make things right between he and I through the cross of Jesus Christ, how can I not say yes to that today? And to just say, even as I'm talking, you can do it. God, forgive me for the mess I've made of my life. God, lead me into new life with you, both here on earth and evermore. I choose you. That's it. It's the I choose you. Over me, I choose you. And I want to just say a word again. I love, I mean, I'm sorry I'm picking on the Christians a little bit today. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm one of you, so I can do that. For those of you maybe who've been following Jesus for a long time, you might need to come back to the cross again today. Because you can kind of get to a point where you think you have it all figured out or that you don't need grace as much as you used to. And that's usually a sign that you need it more than you know, right? And so maybe today, even when the service is done, you may just want to come back up and have a moment and just be reminded, thank you, God, for what you have done for me, what you are doing in me, and what you will do through me. That's part one. Really actually receive what God has done for you and say yes to Jesus today. Second part is actively look for where you can build bridges in your everyday life. So I really want you to do this. I want you to like be on the lookout because I genuinely believe there's more opportunities than you realize and God is going to keep bringing more to you. To build bridges in your life. To build bridges across 
racial lines or maybe socioeconomic lines or to build bridges across neighborhood lines. We all know what those are, even though they're not actually printed anywhere on any map. We all seem to know which lines not to cross in this city. Isn't that amazing? To cross maybe family lines. Maybe there's just stories or relationships in your family that just, this is just the way it is and it's been this way and that's just how it is. To actually consider, God, how might you want to use me to actually be a bridge builder, to reconcile, to make right, to reach out to. This is incredibly, incredibly important work. I think it's exciting work when you actually get to do that because there's it's usually, like I said, gonna be, it's going to be uncomfortable because there are going to be people that aren't like you. Because let's be honest, who, you don't build a bridge to a bunch of people that are on the same side of the river. You build a bridge to get to the other side. And so they're going to probably be different than you, okay? So get ready for that. And maybe be aware of the places that you like to build walls more than bridges. Be aware of your internal little stories that you have about People, specific people or people groups. Anytime you find yourself painting in broad strokes, make a note. Anytime you find yourself saying, well, they're always, they're just, he's always, that's just kind of a broad stroke. So be aware that that's like, like how you start building a wall. Or maybe there's one that's already built. You need to ask God for his grace to begin to dismantle that piece by piece by piece in your life so that you can be about bridge building rather than wall building. That's the homework this week. Receive this fully. Actually come back to it. For those of you who maybe have already come to it before, come to it for the first time, maybe the first time ever in your life this weekend, and then be about the thing that God did for you with others. Allow him to do it through you, to be about the work, the purpose of reconciliation in this world. And I can think of no greater figure, especially this weekend as we come around celebrating the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., no one that modeled this for us better in recent history than Dr. King. A life given to, offered up for the work of reconciliation, of bringing two opposing forces together in common ground. And his work ultimately cost him his life and his work is ultimately not done but his work ultimately came from here. This is what it actually all comes back to and comes down to for Dr. King was the reconciliation work done at the cross. He got it and it became the vision for his life of how he could bring others opposing forces, beliefs, stories, backgrounds together into this common ground. In fact, I wanna close with this beautiful quote from Dr. King, this reflection on the cross and this invitation to us to be about the purpose of reconciliation. This is what he said. He said, the cross is the eternal expression of the length to which God will go in order to restore broken community. This should be a reminder to us of the lengths that God will go to to restore broken relationship, broken community, to reconcile, to bring back in. He says the resurrection is a symbol of God's triumph over all the forces that seek to block community, that seek to destroy community, that seek to keep us separated at odds with each other. Now listen to this last sentence. Only Dr. King can pen something this powerful in a couple words. The Holy Spirit is the continuing community creating reality that moves through history. The Holy Spirit is the continuing community creating reality 
This is only possible through the power and the presence, the community-creating presence of the Holy Spirit. And you and I get to participate, not in the legacy of Dr. King, but in the work of the cross as we build bridges and give ourselves to the purpose of reconciliation in our life. Will you be about that? Will you let that be your purpose in your life? So here's what I want to do. I want to close. We're going to close by singing a song about the cross together, but I actually want to have you stand, if you would. We're going to pray together. And uh, we normally, if, if you're new around here, we take a posture of prayer. You may already see some folks doing it. We open our hands up. We just think this is a better symbol for prayer. But I want to actually take that, and now let's go a step further. And I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you as a little symbol of building bridges. And in fact, what I want you to do, some of you start to do this, uh, you start building bridges across the aisles there. You can reach across and grab the hands of someone across the aisle there. And I want you to look around at this beautiful picture of what it might be like if we got this right. At the unity and community created at the foot of the cross. Powerful thing. So I want to pray for us towards that end right now. God, I pray that would be true of our church, that we would not be people who get preoccupied with building walls and keeping others out and determining and deciding who gets grace and who doesn't. God, forgive us for when we think it's up to us that it's our responsibility to ration grace. We will never run out of your endless love, your unconditional love. And so, God, I pray that we would get what you have done for us. And I do pray, God, I believe there are people here today who are ready to say yes to you fully and completely with their hearts and their lives, to come to the cross and say yes to what you have done for them. And I pray for the people, God, who need to come back to the cross. They've lost sight of the cross. They've gotten lost in religion. They need to come back to this message and say, yes, thank you for what you've done for me through Jesus. And God, I pray then that our church would be about that work, that reconciling work, that bringing together work, that community creating work that you have actually called each and every one of us, no matter what we do, to be about in this world. God, I pray that would be true. I pray that would be true of my life. God, I wouldn't speak a word past where I'm willing to live and to trust you. And I pray that for every one of my friends gathered here or listening online today. God, thank you for the purpose of reconciliation that you've called us all to. It's in your name that we pray.